Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. What's up, buddy? How are you? Matt, great to see you. How's everything going today? I am living a remarkably COVID-free life. How about you? Uh, I can't say quite the same. Um, <laughs> we uh, It's a full house over here. People are still supposed to be at work or school, and um, and instead, uh, we're all here together, uh, commiserating. But luckily, everybody's in good spirits, and, and nobody's really laid up. So it's just a matter of uh, a lot of people in here at a time that I wouldn't expect a lot of people in the house. Yeah, that's got its own kind of unique set of challenges. But again, as you say, you know, at least nobody's like genuinely seriously ill. But that that does suck. It seems like everybody's got, you know, their second or even third go around with the Rona. And it's probably only a matter of time for me and mine. Yeah, no, that's right. And all things considered, like you said, you know, all joking aside. Yeah, glad that everybody's safe and, and sound. Yep, yep, totally. Well, hey, man, we have an interesting, uh, an interesting episode coming up. We're basically recording an introduction for an interview that we've just done. And I was wondering if you want to just dive right into our drink check, pour check. I see you've got the Oris Bear mug. That looks pretty rad. Might be foreshadowing what's, uh, what's, what's to occur here. Uh, but before we get into that, um, in the glass, something quite special. Uh, just posted it the other day. I've got the old... Rip Van Winkle, 10-year. Um, obviously, that's a bourbon uh, for those bourbon nuts and aficionados out there. Um, lucky enough to share uh, an open bottle. And uh, wow, this is my first time drinking this, Matt. And I have to say, I was a little uh, maybe prejudiced against it. You know, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of markup, secondary markup on these bottles. Um, and part of me thought to myself, there's, there's certainly better things out there, especially at the multiples per price. All that aside, if the bottle's open and in front of you and you're pouring it and, uh, and you have a chance to enjoy, enjoy this, um, it's really good. This is, this is fantastic. And, uh, I'm just glad I'm getting a chance to, to enjoy this and, and, and not, you know, you know, from a place that I have to worry about what I spent for it or how much is left or just accepting it and enjoying it for what it is. But uh, that's in the glass, quite a, quite a pour. And on the wrist is the Oris Aquis 36 and a half mother of pearl. And this is in particular the pink blush uh, dial variant. There are three of them. And this is on loan from what I think we can actually accurately call our friends at Oris. Yeah, man, it's a cool watch. There are, as you say, there are three. There's like a, I don't know what their nomenclature is for it, if it's like a seafoam green or what, but there's like a, a green colored mother of pearl dial. There's this, uh, is it Aegean blue? Yeah, I'm assuming like the Aegean Sea, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, I would think so. So there's the Aegean blue and then the pink one that you've got. Um, I'll just, I'll lead off with my wrist check because I also have the Oris Aquas date 36.5 millimeter and I have the blue dial um, also on loan, not coincidentally from our friends at Oris. Thank you, Josh and VJ and Anna. And uh, it's a really a really cool, different kind of thing. And it's, you know, I'm kind of holding this up in front of the camera and it, I think, you know, this does not necessarily look like a quote unquote small watch, you know, on my wrist. It's a, it's a a really cool thing. Um, I think if I only had one gripe with it, it's that for whatever reason, and it's probably more a vagary of my anatomy. I've got a a skinny wrist, but like, I don't play basketball, but I've got a, a pretty big, mitt here (laughs) my hand like i don't play hoops but i can palm a basketball and in order to get this thing sized properly like i have to leave it a little bit loose because otherwise i can't get the thing over my freaking monkey paw here (laughs) but um it it wears really cool it's very similar to what i imagine like you know turnograph thunderbird vibes you know where it's a, a small format but it's got a rotating bezel and it's a true dive bezel you know it's got good kind of clicky tactile feedback and unidirectional this is 120 clicks and um it's that inset is basically like a plain brushed you know or maybe a a media blasted finish you know so it's not like it looks like it's a steel or an aluminum bezel but instead of being a color it's just you know the the bare metal blasted down to kind of a a really really um like uh fine almost like a fine grit finish and then it's just got the you know the 15 30 45 in relief on it so it's you know i hate to compare it to a rolex but i mean it's sort of like Yachtmaster or the um, america's cup dials from uh on the peter blake watches from omega so if you remember those but again just in a smaller format and that mother of pearl dial it's really really cool i would just say it's like uh you know aquas light in terms of size but it wears a little more upscale and, you know, it's the kind of thing you could conceivably like wear this with, you know, shirt sleeves and tie or whatever. So that's what's on the wrist. Um, in the glass, I also have uh, kind of a hero pour for, you know, in the bourbon realm. I've got a, I was actually gifted um, by surprise. I wasn't expecting it, but I got a bottle of, uh, you know, the Colonel, the E.H. Taylor. And very good. This is my first time with this one. I've been told to expect that it's good and it is. You know, so this is a neat pour for me as I'm kind of want to do in a cool evening. Just pour an ounce of this and I'll, I'll work this for the next, you know, half an hour to an hour and just enjoy it. Really, really very smooth whiskey and really complex notes on the nose. So there's, you know, a lot of uh, like a spice, almost like a black pepper kind of thing. But it, when you taste it, it's super, super smooth. Wow, a couple bourbon pours, a couple orises on the wrist. I think we'll do a more in-depth probably conversation about these um, Oris Aquases uh, probably in a future episode and get some uh, words on, dig- you know, some digital ink uh, spilled on on these for our for the site and take some pics. But, uh, you know, some really cool stuff, uh, um, you know, in, in store. Let's not bury the lead, I suppose. We have a really fun conversation with, uh, with VJ Geronimo who most folks listening to this, I think, will be either very familiar with him or at least passingly so. Of course, the uh, Oris North America CEO um, and incredibly um, accessible as well as uh, knowledgeable, has been, been doing this quite a long time and been at Oris for 
for quite a while too. So we got a chance to speak with with VJ about you know some of the the, the great hits that they had this past year for for um, uh, releases, and, and also just maybe putting a little bit more of a, a shine or a highlight on on what they I guess I guess they call the change for better, you know, which in, includes sort of their sustainable efforts, their uh, humanitarian efforts, their conservation efforts, their philanthropy, uh, sort of all bottled into you know under under one umbrella. And uh, just a really far-reaching conversation, a lot of fun stuff. We touch on travel, right? Uh, co- some cocktail stuff. Uh, we talk about Switzerland, of course, and and uh, but just a really nice, a really fantastic guy, and and trying to uh, shine light, I think, on what makes Aura special within the collector community, um, and and larger than that too. Really, just the uh, the watch industry. Yeah, well, when you think about it, I mean that year that they've had in 2022 has been unbelievable when you just start thinking it's i mean it's almost hard to keep track of the incredible releases that they've had or the things that they've done with the releases that they've had we had an opportunity to get you know a couple of their uh, sort of unsung watches the rectangular and the riga fleet you know and now we've got and we sort of requested these watches with intention right everybody gets sort of their their hype watches and that's cool we wanted to do something a little bit different but um you know the Colson watch, the the new Pro Pilot that's in the reduced size, uh, the the Holstein twenty twenty two that you know kind of diminutive travel watch. I mean by today's standards, but it's I think we're kind of moving back in that direction size wise, and I mean the list goes on and on and on. The the new Fratello watch, and all this stuff that's very cool. And as you say, you know you you have a job. We I won't get into it right, obviously, right? You know personally what you do, but you have one foot in philanthropy. And I think that's something that's interesting to you. And it certainly seems like Oris does it about as well as anybody, maybe better than most in terms of how they, they engage on the philanthropic side. And it it feels very genuine because as is alluded to in our conversation with VJ, they really are, you know, kind of boots on the ground and actually doing stuff, lending a hand, you know, the idea with the, the billion oysters project, for example, bringing a bunch of guests, not to hear a lecture, but to clean oysters. <laughs> like, no, we're doing this. You, you know, get your hands dirty. Here we go. It's very cool. So it was a great conversation. And as you said, I think the secret sauce for Oris, in my opinion, it's one of those brands and there's a couple of others, you know, we're talking about Oris today, but where they are accessible, they're not pretentious and the quality of the product speaks for itself. And they, they really are, I mean, perhaps now more than ever, offering products where, you know, the technical chops are very, very competitive, you know, with some of the biggest and best names in sports watches. So good stuff and a great conversation. I think without further ado, why don't we go ahead and drop that in and everybody can kind of hear what we have to say with VJ. How's that sound, bud? All right, welcome. We have a, a very special guest with us that we're excited to speak with, and somebody we've uh, you know mentioned a few times on the podcast, and of course been uh, lucky enough to meet in in person as well, but uh, haven't had a chance to have a an in depth conversation on the pod. So without too much further ado, and I think we'll get a lot of information from him and, and some background, but uh, this is somebody that's well known to not only the uh, 
the watch community, but also the podcast community. He's a, a terrific guest, and I, I'm sure you've heard him on, on a few of our friends and, and other pods as well. But we are very pleased to welcome VJ Geronimo, CEO, Oris Watches North America. VJ, thanks for joining us on the Spirit of Time podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for having me. It's great to be here, and I uh, appreciate you, uh, you having me on, on the show today. I can't imagine almost anybody listening to this podcast in particular doesn't know who you are. Uh, but for folks who are maybe tuning in for the first time or or maybe um, just aren't as familiar with with Oris or or with yourself, could you just share with us sort of who you are, what you do, and and sort of what, um, you know, the sort of 30-second elevator pitch on who VJ Geronimo is? Sure, sure. Well, you're giving me a big introduction here, so I have a lot to live up to. That everybody Hopefully knows it was who better I, than average. Every, everybody knows who <laughs> I am. So um, uh, I'm VJ Geronimo. I'm the North American CEO for Oris. So basically, I, um, I run our organization here in North America. Um, this office is responsible for Oris in the United States, Canada, and the Caribbean. So um, that's that's where I am, and uh, yeah, I have a great team of people that I work with. Um, great, great small family kind of atmosphere that we have, and it's uh, yeah, it's a small independent brand, and we uh, yeah, it's it's nice to be uh, to be able to do that what I do. So, and you're located on the East Coast, is that right? That's right. Our corporate office here is in uh, Norwalk, Connecticut. So Fairfield County, just outside of New York City, not not too far. So quick train ride. I in. just left. I just left the East Coast. We were visiting folks uh, in like the Philadelphia area, and I think you guys are about to welcome some some wintry mix, right? Some uh, some colder, are, snowy yeah. weather, perhaps. Pre-holiday, uh, they say pre-holiday towards the end of the week. Uh, we should be getting a blast of uh, wintry weather. So let's let's see what happens. So. Yeah, yeah, I snuck out just in time. I think <laughs> you're not. It's going to be a it. white Christmas. <laughs> yeah, for them and for us, I think. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, we're we're really excited. I think to um, to have a conversation not only about Oris um, and gosh, it's been a, a crazy good year for for Oris for you um, and and your team. And, um, and just a few initiatives that we thought really stood out, um, not only in the watch community, but sort of in the world of sustainability, conservation, humanitarian efforts. Um, you know, Giving Tuesday was just a few weeks ago. Hanukkah just started. Christmas is days away. So hopefully folks are not only in the sort of shopping spirit, right? Hopefully for <laughs> things like watches and, and, and other things for their family and friends, but also sort of in the giving spirit and the reflective uh, 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 reflective season of, of sort of closing out the, the calendar year. And uh, we just thought it'd be cool to, to get your thoughts on sort of, you know, Oris, the watch industry um, and, and customer habits and, and just sort of, you know, some of the really cool initiatives that I think sets Oris apart from a lot of other folks. So um, hopefully you're game for a conversation like that. Oh, certainly. Definitely. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a good year. Um, if I'm being honest, it's been a long year. It's been a long, um, busy, busy year across the board. Um, a lot of different things going on. We, we accomplished a lot certainly on the ground in a lot of places doing a lot of things um so it was good but yeah we've had some really nice highlights this year um on the conservation side of product things like you know the billion oyster project new york harbor that we launched that was really one of the highlights the wings of hope another one um effort that we did um and then just yeah just continuing with um you know having really nice product we're blessed with great um product designs and, and that sort of thing. And, and really, um, 
you know, be, also being able to influence those things or have some say in those things is really a nice thing. And, you know, when you find everything coming together, something you can get passionate about um, in the watch that you have and, and the reason why you're making the watch uh, behind it, you know, and I, I'll, I'll hold up the Billion Oyster Project as a certain example of that. Like it was just something that was just so, um, you know, really rewarding, rewarding because it's, it's, you know, you're making a, a great watch, but really it's about the project. It's about telling the story of what's happening and, and the people around it and the grassroots work that they're doing and, and, and shining light on those things. So that's, that's what makes it all rewarding and come together. Um, the watch is, is, you know, it's great, but it's, it's really kind of secondary. So. Yeah. Well, I, I would yeah jump out and say that that watch <laughs> it's, it's icing on the cake when, you know, the effort, the billion oysters project. I mean, that's, that's an important thing to draw awareness to. And that, that part of philanthropy. And I think Greg is going to ask you more about that, but the watch itself is just such a banger. I mean, that's, it's an amazing watch. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, we talk to well-heeled collectors, people who can buy in, in a realm way beyond what I would ordinarily think of for myself that where that watch is top of mind for them and really, you know, putting your brand on the map for a, a variety of people that might not otherwise be looking at Oris. It was such an amazing, cool watch. Thank you. Yeah. We, we like, it was, um, I, I said to, uh, I've said it to a few people and internally too, it was, uh, it was the second fastest watch I've seen that we've come out with, um, in my time here at Oris. I've been with Oris for 12 years. So other than the first car this year, I would say it was probably one of the quickest selling watches that we've had and out the door and gone already. So it was, uh, that was good. So, do you, is there any way incredible. to sort of to quantify the success of any given year? Because as Greg sort of alluded to, and he made a a little bit of a just a, a cocktail napkin list of just some of the big things that have dropped just off the top of our head. Pro Pilot X, Holstein twenty twenty two, that reduced size, that's that cool kind of presentation for travel. Um, Aqua Steel and Gold, the Diver sixty five with the uh, caliber four hundred. Mm-hmm. Bill and Oysters project, um, the Diver 65 for Fratello that just dropped, what, a week ago? Maybe not even that. I, yeah. you know, I think those are probably yeah. just hitting wrists right now. And it's on and on and on. Wings of Hope. Um, it, it feels like this year, as somebody who's watched your brand for over 10 years, it feels like this brand is, or this year has been on fire. Colson. Yeah. <laughs> And <laughs> Colson, yeah, and that that one obviously our, our most recent um, new technology in that case, you know, and I think it's it's always a matter of yes, these things all come out in succession, but it's a matter of planning. It's a matter of you know, I, I think you guys are you know you've been in it long enough to know it doesn't you know it's not thirty days and you can launch a watch right. So it's like all this stuff is in planning for a long time, and it's really just trying to bring together a cohesive lineup of products that make sense obviously we we launched the caliber 400 in october of 2020 was the first iteration but as you can see over the past couple of years and as you'll see um you know there's there's big plans for that in terms of rolling it out in in certain pieces and and things so we we, we try to keep it interesting um with regard to product releases and um you know proud to say we're not just a you know, one watch and one, one style and one thing. I mean, I think there's something in the Aura's collection for everybody. And I think, um, you know, again, with the product, the way the product gets released, 
um, now, you know, it, it, it certainly, it, it makes it much more impactful. You know, I've heard folks say, you know, that Oris is having a moment, but they've been saying that for a couple of years now, which is, I think, a <laughs> testament to what you've been up to. And, uh, and I remember reflecting a little bit on what you just said on planning, but it's like, you know, uh, it, it was not an overnight success. But, you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, yeah, you know, that was an overnight success 10 years in the making. But I, I think about that when I think about you guys, because, you know, your moment, which is now several years long, it feels like it has been in, in, in momentum for a, quite a long time and a lot of planning work. Um, I, I just imagine that's something you guys reflect on maybe from time to time. Very much. And I think, you know, and I think also it, 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 it's, it, I'd be remiss not to say thank you, right. To the watch community, to the people that kind of have followed and taken on, um, you know, seeing the brand to go from where it is, but also take love in the brand and obviously engage with the brand and understand that. So it's, you know, it's not a, it's certainly not a one-way street. It's certainly a two-way street. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot of reciprocation that needs to happen there or be recognized from, from our perspective. So. Right on. Hey, Greg, I'm going to interrupt for a second just because I'm watching the clock, you know, ticking, which is not to say we're under the gun time-wise or anything, but we are almost 10 minutes into a watch podcast and we haven't asked our guest what's on his wrist. I think we need to do a wrist check now before we kind of get wrapped up. VJ, what have you got? I'm actually wearing the New York Harbor today. So, um, yeah, that's a piece that obviously is near and dear to me. So certainly um, I have that on. Yeah. How about yourselves? Well, I'll go first. I'm actually, uh, I don't know if you can kind of catch this, but this is the Aquas Date 36.5 millimeter format. We have this on loan from you guys. We've got one. This is the, uh, the blue dial, the mop dial. Yep. And Greg has kind of the salmon pink dial. Yep. And we're going to, uh, we're going to take some pictures with these and, you know, provide some, uh, some feedback on these super interesting format. I, I, it doesn't seem like this is one that I hear much about. So I'd requested this to have these sent in because yeah. I want to, I want to try the stuff that is not on everybody's radar. And I love this watch. Cause it's like the rectangular, like this is something I think I could, I could buy. And, you know, my wife or one of my adult daughters could pick up and wear this as well. Yeah. But it looks yeah. fine on my wrist. I mean, somebody who could do a, a date just or a turnograph can easily do this watch. And it's really cool. The dial's amazing. Yeah. And it's it's a nice, you know, the the feel of it on your wrist is good. And the quality of it is good, right? The and the, it's entirely functional too, right? So all the things that you would expect to do, you can go diving with it. You can actually do those things with it. So yeah. Well I I held it right up next to something like a uh I've got, you know, the Omega Seamaster 300. Okay. So this is quite a bit larger watch. The crowns are almost identical in terms of size and dimension. So the crown on this is not something that's sacrificed for the sake of, you know, just yeah. having it be smaller, dainty or whatever. It's, it's very usable in a good way. It seems like, you know, the designers paid attention to details with the watch because they kept it functional in just a, in a package that makes more sense for, you know, somebody with like maybe a 6.5 inch wrist. Smaller wrist. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. So that's it's really fun now because now we all have mother of pearl dials on. So, right? <laughs> that <laughs> that's is true. Really cool. That is very true. So. That's very cool. So Matt, you've got the Aegean blue, I believe it's called, right? And I've got the blush pink on, and uh, and VJ has got, of course, the uh, the billion oyster green. Yeah, and and your watches also come in a seafoam green as well. There's a third that's color right. to that to that collection there. So yeah, and the mother of pearl is so interesting, right? Because it's like it, it's all different to an extent, but the colors that come about the way that it's 
the way that it's brought there is really it's it's really interesting and it always makes for uh, for something really um, different than most. Yeah, Matt and I have been talking a lot about sort of uh, interesting dial um, uh, materials lately, and then we've we've even been playing with some ideas on uh, on 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 case materials, which obviously Oris has been doing too. And we've we've had a few ideas, but you guys have already been executing that too. So it's just fun to play with materials and and executions and presentations, and, and you guys do that so well. Certainly, and I think you'll see more more of that from us as well. So stay continue, tuned, folks. Continue that process. Yes. Yeah, I've got a wish list. We'll we'll bug you about it after. <laughs> okay. Depends if you've been naughty or nice, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, so if we we'll shift a little bit, and I think coming some of these things we'll come back and and hit on again. But you know, I was uh, I've been struck. You know, a lot of folks I think in the community and even in in watch media, but also just sort of general collectors and and watch fam, if you will, I think we've been paying close attention to what Oris has been up to, not only, of course, from the watches, because they've been spectacular. And I think everyone's been, a, it's just like next hit, next hit, next hit. Um, but there seems to be sort of um, a company-wide, brand-wide ethos that resonates with folks. And some of it uh, uh, orbits around your sustainability efforts and your conservation efforts and your sort of, um, you know, Things that are geared around, um, you know, change for the better. And so I yeah. thought we, if you're if you're game for it, we might talk a little bit about what some of those efforts are, how Oris thinks about them, and and maybe how they might be aligned or or maybe different, you know, across the industry. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll pose it this way first. I've heard some people say that they think you know luxury customers, and and let's be honest, right? These are still luxury. These are luxury products we're talking about maybe don't care about sustainability, that, that those two things, right, luxury and sustainability are, are actually maybe in conflict with each other. Do you think that's the case for Oris's customers? No, I, I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the case at all. I actually think that, um, you know, I think it's the luxury customer. Um, and we talk about this with the watch and, and things like the upcycle. It's the luxury customer who has the means and the wherewithal to make a difference in sustainability, right? I mean, is it for everybody? Certainly not, right? Are people still doing what they're doing? Yes, of course. I mean, are you going to, you know, are you going to change the entire world? No, you're not. But I think the what how we see it is, you know, we've been doing these things for a long time. This is not something we decided two years ago to put a market title on and do this. Like we've we've legitimately making you know, watches around ocean conservation and things like that for 15, 15 years or so, right? So it's not something that just just started with us. And we always saw it as a place, you know, we had this place, like we sold dive watches. It was something, we wanted to do something that was proper for the, for the environment that was good to us. The ocean was good to us. We were doing things. So we wanted to go and, and give that back and really make limited edition product or make product that actually had a story to it, not just another color of something or whatever, but, you know, raise awareness for these smaller organizations that, um, you know, that, that didn't have a voice or had a small voice and us being a global company and the ability to tell this story in, in all these countries, however small they are, or however big they are. Um, that's how we see our role and that's how we saw it. Now, I think as as sustainability has become, you know, the buzzword of the past two years in our industry and everybody's doing something with, you know, whether it's, you know, turtles or straps or what have, like 
there's a lot of it, which is great because it also is bringing that it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's bringing more people to it. It's, it's, it's showing that off. But I think, you know, I think people resonate with Oris because I think they see it's coming from a genuine place. It's something that we've been associated with, something we've been doing. It's not just something we decided to say, oh, okay, here we go. Let's do this. So I think, I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, I also think, you know, our inclusive approach to people and the way we approach, you know, we're not so much about exclusivity. We've never been about being so exclusive where people can't touch it or get one or do that. I mean, do we have product that, you know, is popular and sells out? It certainly we do. I mean, that's, that's part of it, but I think the way we approach it is certainly inclusive in its nature. So I think when we think about sustainability and allowing people to go out and clean up trash, you know, it's, it's all these people that are doing this. These are people that are, you know, luxury customers, but they're out there doing this instead of doing something else, instead of behind some closed wall and some exclusive club, they're actually out doing this. And I think especially the younger, the younger generation of people, um, you know, that kind of thing resonates extremely well with. So. Yeah, I can see that actually appealing, as you say, maybe even more um, to the values, you know, of that, that customer segment that's wants to maybe utilize whatever resources they have or whatever influence they have to, to make a difference. And I'm making the air quotes because, you know, you can make a difference in a variety of different areas. Yes. No. And I think, I think also, you know, being, you know, it's also about putting your money where your mouth is. Right. I think that's part of it too. I mean, I think when we look at our, our situation, you know, we, we said, okay, we're, we're serious about this. We're going to be, you know, we're, we're going to show this and by becoming carbon neutral, by pledging to reduce our footprint, by putting out a sustainability report, doing things that are not just, again, talking about it, but also that, you know, walking the walk as well. That's the kind of stuff that we've, we've done. Are we perfect? Certainly not. I mean, we are not perfect in any sense of the imagination, but I think the effort is being made and we're actually coming at it from a genuine place. And I think that's, that's what's important. So. Greg, I think you dropped off on your sound. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) We're, I think we have a slight interruption on his side. Well, let me ask you a question then that's slightly different. And that is, um, what is, what does a company like Oris do for the process of market shaping? Is that something that, you know, you are involved with at your level? When I, when, when I say that, I don't know if it translates, you know, from the industry that I'm in, but to essentially prepare you know, the market for the, the value sort of proposition of Oris as a company for people to appreciate it. Is that something, you know, that is a big factor in terms of how you do things? Does that, does that make sense? I feel like I'm not articulating that question well, but. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think when we prepare a market, I mean, I think it's, um, I don't know if it's market shaping per se, but it's like, I think, when you look at, I'll, I'll use a real example of the past few years, right? Um, when we came out with the ProPilot X, right? A $7,600 skeleton or a 10-day power reserve, right? Was it something that, um, was it something that we wanted to say, 
you know, was it going to be a piece that was going to be the every piece of Oris, you know, this high expensive thing? No, but I think that sort of showed showed the watch world and the world that we were a manufacturer capable of these type of things. And we have the credibility in these spaces to make these sort of things. So I think that introduction then followed by the caliber 400, our own movement, you know, our own thing that I think those things were very much on purpose to kind of pave the way. And if that, if I'm getting at what you're, what you're saying, that to me is like, you know, that would be a good example of, of, of doing something like that. Actually, yeah, that's a that's a brilliant example. Um, not to I I can't imagine you'd remember this, but on the day that that watch was released years ago, you know, it was released with the VR goggle display. Yep. yep. And at my my local AD, I just happened to be there when they were like putting together the display and got to check that out. And I think I I took a quick snap of it. And the first thing that happened, I saw this ding. Some this you know person I'd never communicated before, but this guy VJ was asking me, "Hey, did you try the VR?" <laughs> And, well, and this was my, um, that was exactly kind of how I, I described it in, in the post that I made about it was this is not going to be a watch for everybody, especially at this price point. It's not, people are not accustomed to seeing it, but it's such a great technology demonstrator that when you think of everything that this watch can offer you, the skeleton, skeletonization, the in-house movement, the long power reserve, the, yep. the material science and, and, and just the clasp. You know, I, I don't know how you would describe it. It's just, it's bitching. It's cool. Yeah. And all of that in a package is very compelling. And maybe you're not going to buy that watch, but eventually just like, you know, with formula one or with, uh, you know, endurance racing at Lamar or something like that, that technology is going to be in the car or the watch that you buy five years from now. And sure enough, I mean, now we have, you know, a smaller pro pilot that kind of is along the same lines. Exactly. And no, that's I mean exactly what I was getting at. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just, you know, we've, um, I think what happens to us sometimes is we don't get enough credit for, you know, like we're the small independent brand and I'm not, you know, among you guys, but it's like, if it doesn't have certain names on it, some other people are like, oh, well, that's not, you know, it's just an Oris kind of thing, but it's like, Hey, you know, take a look at what's, what's being put out in front of you here compared to other things. And, you know, take the brand names away and look at, and look at what's there and look at the watchmaking in it and look at those things. And I think that's where, um, you know, I think that certainly has come a long way in the past, you know, five years or so. And, and certainly, um, you know, a lot of the offerings now coming out are, are strong in, in that sense. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a long time since the articulated lugs. <laughs> Although I, I did like those. <laughs> Greg, have you ever seen those, the, the watches from about 15, you know, 20 years ago that, you know, kind of rounded, articulated? Yeah, they're, that was I a have, really yeah. unique signature thing. Yeah, I've spent, I've spent a lot of time, you know, scrolling through and, and finding some old stuff, which is a lot of fun too. It's sort of, it's fun to see the evolution of things. Yeah. Yeah, just be, like the evolution before Aquas, right before the Aquas came out, like that was those cases, the old 7533 cases and different things like that, certainly. Um, yeah. You know, I look back at them now or I'm, I'm, I'm in a place where someone shows me a watch or whatever. And I'm like, wow, I, I actually remember that one because, you know, you remember all the time that you you've seen or the, all the ones that come out. So it's uh, it's nice to see the the evolution of it as well. So. That's really cool. I think um, you know, speaking of evolution, we've been talking about like dial materials and the uh, you know, the upcycle itself seemed like a pretty interesting evolution. Um, you know, I've heard you say in the past, hey, 
you know, because we're making upcycle dials is not going to save the ocean per se, right? But mm-hmm. but it, it gets people thinking, talking, maybe in their daily lives. And so that that stuck with me. And I, I liked what you said about that. And I wonder if maybe that also applies to some other things that you that you guys all champion. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I think um, when we think about, especially from an environmental perspective, when we think about, you know, the the amount of material that actually we use in watches, I think, you know, we said it was like Rolf, Rolf um, Studer, our co-CEO, global co-CEO, he always says, you know, I think the amount of materials we make in watches is like five tons of material. It's really not a lot of material. So it's, it's those are not the things that are, you know, going to change a lot of things. It's more about, you know, it's about those conversations. It's about the people doing that. And if you can make something that's, um, you know, that, that, that provokes that kind of thought, like even, even better, um, you know, talk about the upcycle. Um, the beauty of that watch is it's, you know, it's, it's different. It's unique. Um, I've seen people fight over the dials because, you know, everyone is different. So they, they want a certain one or whatever. And some of them are just absolutely beautiful. They're like, they're like almost paintings on a, you know, in the way they look and such. So it's really nice to see that design coming together and coming into something that, that people really want. But yeah, I'd say those kind of things are exactly, you know, that's what pervades itself in all that we do, those, those conversations. So whether it's upcycle, billion oysters, coral restoration, you know, all the things that we've done um, around that, I think that's, that's really what, what, what it's about. Yeah, if I can interrupt here, Greg, or just interject, I didn't tell you that I was going to ask this question, but this just kind of occurred to me. So, I mean, we talked about Billion Oyster and, you know, uh, Great Barrier Reef that's going back years ago, but yeah, the coral restoration and all of these different things, but there's another kind of aspect to the philanthropy and stuff like that. So it seems to me that's all environmental orientated, orientated, oriented, but then there's um, what what I guess I would describe as kind of humanitarian. And that you yeah. know, when I think of like Riga fleet, um, wings of hope and yeah. things like that, is there, is there like an intentionality with how that's balanced out? I mean, it seems like environmental is, is clearly very important. Do you, it is. Do, it is. does somebody plan on the humanitarian piece as well? Well, we, um, you know, when it comes to our, you know, obviously with our diving product, we do a lot around conservation and, and those sort of things, but the aviation product, what we're, what we try to do is have um, what we call aviation with a purpose. So do something that makes sense. So it's organizations like, yes, the Riga that we've done, you know, three watches for now. Um, the Royal Flying Doctors, if you remember that one was an early one of the sort of that Wings of Hope as as we've seen. So it's, it's really finding things that make sense that are not just, you know, that are up there and, and doing things that, that help out in that sense. And then it's also, you know, from a humanitarian side, it's, it's also social awareness. Like it's people like Carbashir, it's people like Roberto Clemente, people that have done really good things um, and their stories should be told and celebrated and, and that sort of thing. And I think that's where we try to, we try to come in and, you know, it's, it's a business where, you know, we're in business as everybody else is in business, but we're trying to make things that really have a purpose to themselves and not just, you know, you know, here's another dial and here's another color and here's something else like, you know, and whether that's the design language also of the pieces that we make, you know, the, the subtle hints to things, um, you know, the gold 21 or the jazz series that have a snare drum in the, you know, in, in the dial 
configuration that you don't really notice at first. Like those sort of things. I think that's where we come from. And I think that's, that that's good. So. Yeah, you nailed it. I, I was curious, you basically just elaborated on this entirely, but I was curious, you know, aside from making like very cool watches, you know, what do these partnerships do for the organizations or causes and, and you're hitting on it, right? It's, it's awareness. Um, in certain instances, I believe there's even been, you know, financial um, support, whether it's through donating to auctions or part, partial, pro, you know, there's been a lot of different ways. And, and I was curious, like you said, beyond just making a really rad watch, like what are we doing for these for these groups? Yeah, it's exactly exactly that. So like, you know, it's it's taking obviously it's monetary. It's also taking the watches and putting them to say, you know, like the the Car Restoration Foundation we made, if you recall, we made um the Staghorn limited edition was the first piece we made with them in 2017 and at their gala, the piece auctioned off really nicely. The steel piece, you know, was really good. And so we're like so when we thought about making a second watch, um you know, part of that thought process was making that watch in gold. So when the carry store came out, we made that gold series of a few pieces. And truly the intention of making that watch was to have something very auctionable, something that would really raise a lot of money for the organization. Um, and, you know, that that gold piece this this year, um, because of COVID, that auction got a little delayed, but that that number two carries for gold piece sold for $50,000 this year, which was amazing. Wow. So like, it's those kind of things that make it all worthwhile to see and, and go through. So. Yeah. Do you think just, I don't know, I don't want to put you on the spot. Do you think there is more of a, um, an interest in like the watch enthusiast public, the watch buying public, uh, more for the environmental side versus the humanitarian side? Is that like an easier story to tell on behalf of the partner organizations or the partner efforts? Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that actually. I wouldn't say that because I would say like, you know, a piece like the Roberto Clemente was a very, you know, was a very strong piece for us. And then, you know, a piece like the the diving aquases and things like that. I mean, I think, you know, it's a combination of factors, Right. The story obviously is is strong in a lot of pieces, but also it also comes down to the watch, right? If the watch is really strong and people really like the watch, um, it will it will certainly um, have a big impact on it as well. So it, it just depends on it, it. Really, just depends on what it is. So to answer your question, no, I wouldn't say one is more um, easier to tell or to to bring forth or appealing to people. I think it's really just about the. I think in the end it comes it becomes about the product. So right on. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's probably that's a, that's an interesting take on that and, and probably a good perspective given your seat. Um yeah, I came across a term and and I think I just wanted to throw this out to you guys and see how it resonated, you know, greenwashing, right? Or sport washing is something even now too, where you have certain countries, you know, trying to be involved with sports, sort of starting to to cleanse their their uh, cultural appeal, right, globally, but greenwashing, right, where maybe companies are, are saying they're doing things just for the, the sort of positive PR that it might bring. Um, but yet it would appear that Oris and its community are kind of actually on the ground doing stuff, right? And you alluded to it earlier, like world cleanup days and volunteering and, of course, reducing carbon footprints. Like what, what sort of drives Oris to not just hey say, hey, we're doing these things and actually be on the ground, be with these organizations, be actually, you know, participating. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it comes from the approach we take to, you know, how we go about our, you know, 
our, our daily, our, our, the way we do things as a company, right? I think, um, you know, putting even just the conservation things aside, like I'll give you an example. Um, in 2013, we launched a Lawatch called, it was a pro diver. It was called the, the Colmerskin. It was made with the Italian special forces, right? It was a watch that was there. And we also made a watch with, um, called the Force Recon, which we made with, um, which was also a diving piece that we made. And we made those pieces in conjunction with the people that actually used them. Like we brought them to the, to the special forces. They tried them, they used them, they, they were out with them. So we designed them in conjunction with that. So I think when you think about how we approach those things and how we try to be genuine about, you know, it's not like, um, you know, we put our watch on a special agent and called it a certain thing. Like it was more like, here's the actual people doing these things and, and here you go. Um, but it was, when you think about the approach to that, that's a very similar approach that we take with, you know, when we talk about our, um, you know, the way we do things around our carbon neutrality, or we try to actually, you know, whether that's putting solar panels on our factory roof or doing things to help reduce ourselves, like, I think those kind of things are what's inherent in how we do things as an organization, the genuine approach that we take, um, you know, just in general, we're not about celebrity. We're not about bling per se. It's always about just making something that's a genuine product that appeals to people. So I think those factors and that those pillars of who we are as a group of people is what plays into when we do these things. And, and certainly, you know, we think a lot about this. Like sometimes I think we get really hung up on does this make sense or whatever, but you really try to do things that are true to the brand and not do things that will kind of, you know, um, take us in a way that we can't say that we actually, you know, did the right thing in those cases. So. So I'd like to take us in a slightly different direction. And that is just kind of hearkening back to uh, the the picture that's behind you now. For people who are listening to this, they can't see this, but VJ is basically sitting in a uh, in a conference room, and behind him is probably what that's about an eight foot high. It's not a mural. It's a it's you know a, basically a photo quality image that occupies the entire wall, and it looks like it's the the plant and the Oris facilities in Holstein. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. So. Here's here's my question. Do you how often do you get to travel to Switzerland or do you have to travel to Switzerland as part of the job over the years? Do you go fairly regularly? Yeah, so um usually I I'm in Switzerland uh, barring things like global pandemics. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the elephant in the room for this question, right? But once once a year, right? So normally for like the trade show, obviously we went to Basel for many years. Um and then more recently, you know, in Geneva for Watches and Wonders, which we'll, we'll be doing again. Um, so usually I find myself there at least once a year, sometimes twice, depending on what it is um, that's going on or what we're doing. But yeah, usually it's that. No, and it's, and, and Holstein, you know, looking at the picture behind me, um, it's a town that, you know, a, a lot of watchmaking in Switzerland is not done in this region where we are, right? Um, a lot of it's done in more of the Le Chaux de Femme down down towards the French side, um, and we're based up in the corner in the Basel corner there. So, um, you know, that's really our home, and it's it's the kind of place that you would think of when you think about the patience and the 
the level of detail and that sort of thing. Like it's, it's not a cosmopolitan place. It's not, <laughs> it's a, it's a very small town and, and uh, you know, it's it certainly, um, it's certainly very much um, as you see it, it's, it's, it's what it's about. It's a good, it's a good place to make watches. So. Well, that was going to be my next question. And that is, and again, I'm doing the air quotes, but what's the difference between like the Holstein experience and the Zurich experience or, you know, Geneva, something, something like that, you know, the glitz and glamour and, and all that Certainly. versus Holstein. I mean, Holstein is a very small place. Like it's a rural farming, farming village. Right. Um, and the reason why our factory was there was um, at the turn of the century of the night, um, in the 1900s, in the very early 1900s, um, what had happened was the railway, the railroad had come to Switzerland, right? So the road that Holstein is on was basically one of the main thoroughfares from Basel to Bern, which was the capital city. So if people came through on horses or whatever, that was a road that was very well traveled. So where where Holstein is, and then when the railroad came, that road basically shut down. So there was a lot of economic downturn in that particular region. So at the time, the Swiss government was giving subsidies to open up businesses in that area. And that's how the factory ended up where it is. So um, when you think about it, and it really is a place that employed most of the people in the town um, at the time. So there was really, the town was built around, a lot of the town was built around Oris. Um, But now today, you know, comparing that to you know, Geneva or Basel, it's certainly, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's a very big difference between, uh, you know, the city and the vibrant vibrancy of the city and the, and the ruralness of the, of the countryside. So, you know. Well, that's kind of what I would have expected, but I've, I've just got this picture in my head. And if I'm honest, I mean, I think the, the imagined charm of like the idyllic nature of these places in Switzerland for, you know, the, maybe a typical American who's maybe been there once or twice. If you don't have family there or work that takes you there, chances are, you know, you're not getting there very often in a lifetime. And for me, it's this very romantic notion of, you know, how, how amazing it would be to go there and, and hang out for a day and, you know, maybe have a coffee and definitely check out the plant or something like that versus again, you know, the, the glitz and the money and all that in, in some place like Zurich. Yeah. Um, the good, the good so, news is oh, go the good news is that actually the factory is now open. So I can, I can say to you um, this year, we actually opened a um, Holstein sort of factory boutique store in the factory. So um, it, for many years, well, for most of the time, like the factories. Not that you could, couldn't visit the factory, but it wasn't necessarily open to the public. Now, if you find yourself in Switzerland or you, you do want to go, you can certainly visit and it's open. So um, just food for thought. If uh, anybody listening is finds themselves there, certainly um, please please visit Oris and Holstein. That would be cool. Well, it, this is going to be then kind of the last part of this you know line of question, and that is, you know, put yourself in a position where you have to travel, you know, whether it's to, to Holstein or one of the big shows, what is an ideal like two day add on to that trip for you? So if, you know, if you have to go spend a week for one of the big shows, but you get an extra two or three days to yourself in Switzerland, what are you going to do? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I'm a skier, right? So, um, certainly there's, there's some of that going on. That's, that's really cool. Um, Zermatt is certainly a, a decent place to visit. If you're, if you're close, that's more, if you're more close to say watches and wonders or something, that's, that's an interesting place. Um, but I find, you know, different parts of Switzerland are really nice. 
Um, there's certainly a lot of um, close um, Bernese Alps things that are very, very close as well. That you don't have to go too far all the way down. Um, also, one time spent some time in the town of Flims, which is sort of down in central Switzerland, which was really cool. That's a nice spot. And then, yeah, and then Zurich itself too to see to see some of that, see some of the streets. Certainly is a is a good is a good place. So, Greg, we have to go and check out uh, Swiss white wine. Ooh, now we're talking. Yeah, that's this. This is a very on brand. Yeah, I think that's that's something we'll have to figure out. We'll we'll do like a a Switzerland Austria trip or something. Make that a, a part of it. That's so good. I didn't uh, I didn't write this down for VJ, but since we're sort of on the topic now, I'm curious. VJ, we're holiday season. Um, curious if you have a favorite holiday cocktail or, you know, holiday drink, uh, or if not holiday specific, sort of just, a you know, your favorite anytime, anytime favorite cocktail. Anytime drink. cocktail. Um, it's funny. Uh, I would say I was never much for drink, you know, obviously I'm a beer drink. I was a beer drinker. I'm a wine drinker. Um, COVID made me a brown, brown liquor drinker, which I, I never was. So, um, I've taken a little, um, I like rye, a little bit of rye. Um, also like, um, gin, I've been drinking some gin too. That that's pretty good as well. So, um, that's what I would say. You know, if I'm, if I'm being a watch person, I'd say Negroni too. That's been a good, that's been a good cocktail. Um, yeah. So different, different things certainly. So how about yourselves? I like a good Negroni too. What I, I sort of go off the beaten path a little bit and I will do a Negroni with tequila and nice. thanks to Greg's Greg's influence, um, when I'm out, I, I typically wouldn't do this myself. But if I'm out and about, uh, I would have a, a mezcal Negroni. Very so nice. adds, adds a little bit of smoke. Like you, I'm I'm was not a big you know brown booze guy, and I would say the past maybe three or four years that's kind of changed. Not you know not huge. I'm still more you know the beer yeah. and wine person. But um, Greg has been a, a really good influence. He's absolutely wrecked me for big bottle tequila, though. So it's, <laughs> it's it's only only the finer built tequilas now. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, and, and, and you know, it's funny. I drink a lot of tequila mezcal, and then um, you know, obviously, uh, obviously, uh, I've been much more on the wine piece now too, thanks to Matt, which has been a lot of fun to explore. Yeah. Yeah. I um I spent some time with Matt Aranek, uh the past little bit if you know who who he is and uh, he's I do. obviously Negroni master and uh, was dead, we were down and we did an event in Asheville last weekend so we did some work um, at this distillery called the Chemist and they had uh, they made a Negroni with uh, with some of their whiskey actually they made a special cocktail with the whiskey it was really good so oh that's fantastic. You. I, I saw, saw you guys too. post on that. Yeah, that looked yeah. really fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was a good, good time. I was so excited. I finally, when I finally met you in person this year, earlier this year, it was much warmer, right? It was like almost yes. summertime, <laughs> but I finally got a chance to see the Airstream, which was incredible. Exactly. Yeah. That's been, uh, yeah, we spent a lot of time, spent a lot of time with them uh, this year. So it's uh, certainly kept us busy, but yeah, it's been great. People, people really resonated, really, really liked the Airstream. So. Definitely. Oh, the Airstream is fantastic. I think the, uh, I was talking to, um, so our friend is, you know, Mike Spencer from Whiskey and yep. Watches yep. and we were, you know, kind of war gaming before the, before the news of the Airstream coming to Southern California broke, like, well, what, what kind of excuse can we come up with to, to have them bring this thing out here? 
and you know, I, I unfortunately wasn't able to make that event, but uh, we we were able to capitalize on the Oris largesse at the ball game, of, you know, right after, which was fantastic. We went with Feldbar. Yeah, yeah. It's a that's a great AD, by the way, for you. They love you. Yeah, there. they're great. Yeah, they're great. So um, Scott and Jamie and crew, they're certainly uh, certainly good people. So totally. Um, yeah. Well, hey, I. I want to ask if, because we are getting close to the holidays, um, I've been a very good boy. So I'm going to ask for something maybe for the Christmas future. And that sure. is, um, can we see more Oris in precious metal? Um, just, uh, okay. Okay. That's a good, that's I, a good suggestion. You know. I think this is just my personal perception is I think, you know, Oris is enough of a thing to be, able to go out and to, you know, present something, you know, like a, a either a full gold or, well, I mean, now you have a steel and gold Aquas, yeah. but I could, I could see like a nine carat gold rectangular. Okay. Um, okay. I could see, I could see like a nine, two, five silver rectangular. In fact, um, have you ever seen, can you think of this VJ? Like, have you ever seen, uh, you know, let's say silver, you know, serving wear? You know, like, yes. you know, plates and things like that, that if, if they've sat for a year or two and they haven't been polished, they take on this patina, but it's almost like a, instead of like a verdigris, although you may see that it's almost like a black spider webbing anywhere yep. there's like an edge. I, that would look so amazing on the rectangular. Cause to me, it would really enhance like the whole, um, I mean, we would say like a, the rectangular, uh, design ethos is probably, I don't know enough about it to definitively say, but it's probably an art deco thing but the other alternative to that is something like you know kind of steampunk kind of alternative yep. victorian yeah and you know a, a different kind of precious metal or some kind of an alloy for something like the rectangular would just be amazeballs cool. or full gold for that matter yeah i i think people would easily spend extra for a watch like that all right have you ever so seen that's, that's my ask have you ever seen a full gold frank sinatra have you ever seen one of those I have not. Um, so a while but, before before my time at Oris, we made we made a gold rectangle uh, Frank Sinatra piece. Yeah, dude. No way. That's yeah. cool. So so somebody asked me, and I don't remember now. It may have been you. It was either you or Josh VJ. I exchanged direct messages um, probably about three or four months ago. Somebody, Greg, in our circle, and I'm going to have to go back and look through you know my emails or my notes you know, uh, ask me to inquire like, Hey, you're into watches. Does this watch still exist? And it was, it was the Frank Sinatra. And I, I remember we had, you know, brief communication. Yeah. It's like, man, that's been out of production so long, but just if it's sitting new old stock and somebody's safe, that was me you know, that you had know. communication with. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm almost positive. I, I recall the conversation and, uh, yeah, it's, it's been out a while, but it's certainly, uh, it's, it's, it was, it was a cool piece and you certainly get questions about it now. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I, I want to say it might've been Josh, Greg, that asked about yeah. that. Oh, our Josh, you mean? Yeah. Some, somebody. Got it. Actually, yeah. Yeah. you asked, you asked me and looking back at it, you asked me about a Miles Davis, uh, Ellie. Um, okay. That was if it. That, if I recall correctly. Yeah. But I don't think that's the all gold one, but the, there is a gold, uh, Frank Sinatra piece that you can, you can, Google and find out, but, um, as I say, pulls, pulls up the, uh, the, the extra tab on the browser right about now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. 
pull that up and take a look. But yeah, anything I, I Greg, I was saying, you know, um, so without, you know, giving too much away, like I think Greg is home with two little ones who are under the weather right now. <laughs> but, um, the, I, I personally think Oris has, I don't know what the right term would be, but like the clout, the chops, whatever, um, you know, to be able to, to come to market and say, Hey, we, we have a, a full gold rectangular, or we have, you know, a silver rectangular. I have to imagine, you know, obviously that's going to add to the cost, not just in terms of the materials, but you know, the work and, and things like that to have a, maybe one product line, Certainly. you know, be interrupted or, or whatever. But I don't, I don't see why somebody wouldn't spend an extra two to $3,000, you know, for an up-level case metal. Yeah. And still have it be really, really reasonable compared to something that, you know, a similar offering from, you know, a, a, a quote unquote, you know, bigger brand that's accustomed to, you know, dropping. Do you, does steel it have to gold. be rectangular in your mind? Uh, no, no. I think the rectangular is a good place to start, especially with something like silver. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, they, uh, I think almost, almost anything, you know, I would say I look at Greg's watch, which I've been able to borrow, which is to say, uh, Greg's got a bronze pointer date. And yeah. if it looks good in bronze, it probably would look great in nine, like a nine carat gold. Yeah. 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 No. And we've, yeah, some, you know, and it's, yeah, it's funny. Like the, and when we made that carries fork gold piece, like it was really, really popular. Like people really liked that, that watch. It was expensive, but it was really a, a cool piece. So what's, yeah, I think that could be like a, uh, a low key flex, I think is what the kids say. <laughs> Oh yeah, you're seeing it through some proof of concept too, right? You got the steel and gold Aquas, you've got you know obviously yeah. bronze, and now you've got things like you know the Coulson with you know uh, it's not precious metal, but it's a completely different material. I mean, you're seeing yeah. proof of concept yeah. throughout the catalog. Yeah, yeah, you should yeah. check if if you haven't seen the Coulson. Speaking of that, you should check it out because it's when you touch and feel it, it's super light. It's like it's really cool material. So we um, haven't seen it yet. Have you seen it yet, Matt? Well, I mean, I've seen you know images. I haven't held it right. Yeah. yeah, I think it's time, time for us to skip across town and see uh, our friends <laughs> at Belmar. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. If they've yeah. if they've got one, I would definitely check it. I think they did post, so I would yeah. I would like to check that out. I have an aviation background, VJ. If you can, I that's kind of I kind of can gather that a little bit. So yeah, so I, I'm sort of steer towards to me the the Riga and the the Wings of Hope, which I think that was by the way that was probably the best video that that was done, you know, with uh, our pal Cole. Yeah, yeah. On, on Hodinkee in probably at least a year or two, and I mean they've got some some good things that they do on that website in terms of yeah. video production and, and stuff like that. That was the best. Very much so cool. No, they did they did a good they did a good job, uh, and that was such a cool um, you know concept when we first kind of envisioned that, and just the ability to go and sort of embed themselves with that. I mean. You know, he's the perfect guy for that <laughs> when, you know, you know, obviously, you know, Cole, like he's, he's certainly great, great guy. And he's certainly, a, you know, a friend of ours. And, but someone that, you know, when you think about that, he's the first person that immediately came to mind that, that would kind of be the best for that sort of situation. And yeah, it worked out and they really made it into this really nice thing. And, and, and the video was spectacular and the, the work they did and, and just the way, the way it goes is, is, is crazy. And that, that are going to, you know, having spent some time with Wings of Hope and seeing what they do and seeing the people they are and talking to some of the pilots and really um, spending some time with them. It's, it's, it's amazing. So, um, 
you know, we're, we're, it makes us feel very, um, it, just the things we do seem so in, insignificant, at least me, right? I feel when I, when you talk to people like that, I, I, it makes me feel like what we're doing is just insignificant comparatively. So, you know. Well, I'll, I'll offer the contrary. I think you guys are doing amazing work and, uh, and engaging the community. Um, but I, I, I definitely see where you're coming from on, on that score. You know, before we let you out of here, VJ, we got to ask, is there any, anything in, in store for 2023 that we can hint toward, or you want people to, um, maybe just be aware of or keeping their eyes and ears open? I know you can't spill all the beans, but we'd love to, to see if, you know, what and what yeah. we might be looking forward to. I think, to, I think 2023 hopefully will prove to be another interesting year for us, you know, with product things, I think there's going to be, um, you know, a lot of different things coming on different, different types of product, different price points of product, different, um, you know, uh, all kinds of things happening. So I think there'll be a, you know, hopefully be another, another strong year from that perspective. And, uh, you know, it'll be a fun year, I think, hopefully. So I think uh, the way things are he headed, it should be, uh, you know, there should be some fun stuff coming that, uh, that people will, uh, will enjoy. So, yeah. Well, coming off the year you just had, that's saying something. Yeah. So I know, but you got to keep, keep moving forward, right? Keep, keep. Oh moving. yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. Hey, um, with that, Greg, if you don't have any additional questions, I mean, that's kind of the end of my rope. Um, I'm otherwise I'm just going to devolve into that, uh, you know, that character on Saturday Night Live where I'm like, Hey, do you remember that video you guys made? <laughs> That was cool. Do you remember Abbey Road? Remember when you did Abbey Road? That was great. It's a um, classic one, classic skit. For sure. Well, VJ, I appreciate it. Um, thanks for coming on with us. Uh, I definitely am going to continue to to sing this brand's praises. And Thank I you. enjoy, really enjoy the fact that you, um, if, not to put too fine a point on it, but you know, we're a smaller outlet, you know, and basically what you do with us kind of helps us. And when I say you, I mean the brand and brands like you, what you do with us kind of gives us a voice and it makes the hobby just that much more fun. So we appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate great, please. you guys having me appreciate, um, you know, your, all your love for Oris and, and what we're doing and recognizing that and happy to come on anytime and speak and talk. I hope to see you guys in Southern California at some point back during baseball season we're back in town there so um that'll be good um but certainly and uh no really appreciate what you guys do and obviously you know in spreading the passion and and the 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 hobby that we have and and uh really kind of digging into it and certainly um you're doing it for fun right not because it's your job you're doing it for fun so i think that's that's important to note and, and what you guys are doing is is really helping others uh helping others and supporting and supporting the hat the the habit and the hobby, so to say. <laughs> That's right. It was, I, at yeah. first I thought it was a Freudian slip, but it was so appropriate. It was so perfect. Yeah, no, it, it works. It works. Hey, hey, there's some truth to it. You know, when you think about it, the wider, if you want to think about it, the wider mission of, of conservation, what is more conservative, not politically, but, you know, in the right. conservation realm than a mechanical timepiece exactly. you know, versus the alternatives where there's, you know, so much planned obsolescence in you know people hold up and i'm holding up my iphone here yep. but you know the the, um, the nature of the materials and the the production process for something like that or a you know an apple watch or whatever god love them they're great not products, a watch. but they're it's <laughs> it's not a watch it's not going to last you know 50 100 years i mean a modern aquas with 
a modicum of, you know, effort and care is yeah. could last 150 years, well, 200 it, years. It's, it's the epitome of, of, of conservation. Yeah. Yep. No. And, and certainly, I mean, I think, you know, the, the, the Apple watches have put, um, you know, have put watches back on the wrists of people. So I think it's, it's certainly been good in, in that sense, from a sense, and they have their purpose and they have their thing. So, but uh, yeah, to your point, I think sustainable, you know, a sustainable product and something that can last a long time that can be handed down. Um, that's, that, that's good. So. Well, keep up the great work. We hope that you and Josh and the whole team get a chance to take a little bit of time off, you know, yes. and enjoy some some quiet family time and friend time or travels or not travels. So we, we hope yeah. you guys uh, have a happy holiday season and, and we do look forward again to, to catching up with everybody. Thank you as well. Same to you guys. All right. Enjoy. And thank you again for having me. 100%. Thanks, VJ. Well, that really delivered. I think we were very excited to speak with VJ and, and gracious that we were able to sneak it in uh, just here before the holidays. This will almost certainly be the last episode we do for the calendar year 2022. So uh, VJ, thanks again, all the folks at Oris. Thanks for making that happen. Matt, what, what'd you think? I think it's pretty cool that VJ is a rye guy like me. He's kind of uh, maybe coming to the the brown spirits a little later in life. And finding something new to enjoy, I think that kind of jibes well with our poor check from the beginning of the episode, right? We both got bourbon going and BJ says, hey, he's, uh, I guess, maybe sort of found Jesus on the uh, on the good stuff from Kentucky and Tennessee. And yeah, fun, man. I, I would, I bet BJ actually would be a really cool, like traveling companion on a business trip. You know, he, he seems like the kind of guy who'd be like, all right, let's go. Let's, we're going to get some donor or we're going to go get some falafel or find some place for what do they do in Switzerland? Rucklet, you know, or. Yeah. Now there's always, somebody always has somebody in the office who's a good travel partner. Like if they're going on the trip, we're going to have a good time. Yeah, exactly. VJ would be like my buddy, hungry Jim, you know, me and me and Jim basically conquer the world whenever we travel for business and, you know, go to whatever all the, the great bars and restaurants are in any given new city. When we go there, I bet VJ is the same. I wonder if we are actually going to see any precious metal, new precious metal, you know, something maybe rectangular or maybe maybe in a round format. I don't know. But I I will say this. I mean, obviously, VJ didn't promise anything, but I mean, I don't know. He seemed vaguely interested. I think it could happen. Well, I think you have certainly we have planted uh, the seed not only on previous episodes, but, uh, you know, directly, you know, with uh, with Oris and VJ. And he was asking questions. He said, does it have to be the rectangular? So he was curious. It wasn't like, okay, sure. Um, He wanted feedback, which, you know, I think is is a hallmark of of uh, of those folks over there. So we really do appreciate it. Great conversation. Um, Keep an eye open for 2023. and, And of course, what they're up to, if like you mentioned earlier. If 2022 is any indicator, I think we should all be uh, quite excited for the things they have in store um, as the calendar flips over to a new year. Matt, um, any recommendations for the folks before we sign off? You know, I don't. We kind of threw this together. Um, I won't say threw it together, but we had to do this on a squeaky kind of a a time schedule in the past couple of days. uh, I haven't really come up with anything, to be honest, just trying to take care of uh, fam and Christmas and all that happiness. Um, How about you? Is there anything new and exciting? Yeah, I'll tie it all back in. We're we're we're, we're sticking with a, a a bourbon theme here and uh, and whiskey. Uh, I, on the plane recently, I was reading uh, a book that was gifted to me a little while ago, and I just hadn't gotten around to reading it. So this is called Pappy Land, 
again, we're tying this thing all the way full circle again. Pappy Land, a story of family, fine bourbon, and things that last by Wright Thompson. Wright Thompson is a, a writer. I think he's primarily with ESPN right now, but he's done a number of things and, and this is not his first book. But uh, so this this author followed around the great, great grandson of Julian Van Winkle and retraces sort of what makes this family so mythical, right? And in, in the family, in, in the world of bourbon and, and in particular, what makes their bottles, you know, what they are today. Um, and it's a really fascinating read. If you're a bourbon enthusiast, it's right up your alley. If you're a spirits kind of consumer, you're also going to be interested. And if you're interested in sort of just family his stories about family and stories about the South, then I think it's also going to, it's also going to hit for you because the author is also Southern himself and he interweaves stories about his family, his time in the South, what it means to be Southern, uh, what whiskey and bourbon means to him and his family and people in certain geographies. Uh, he's very talented and uh, I think this was a, a book that uh, would hit for a lot of different folks. So uh, really enjoyed it. Easy read, uh, but a page turner for sure. And to clarify, this is Van Winkle the Whiskey, not Rob Van Winkle, sometimes known as Vanilla Ice. That is correct. I should have, you know, you, you never want to assume, you know what happens when you do that. But no, you, you nailed it on the head. You, you nailed it right on the stave. <laughs> Perfect. Well, dude, this was a fun episode. I'm glad we were, uh, this was kind of a long time coming, getting uh, getting VJ on. Hopefully we explored maybe some different angles. Um, obviously, we love the watches and, and cool to sort of finally make his virtual acquaintance on the pod. So that's awesome. Um, I, As I said, I don't really have anything left. It does feel like this is probably going to be the last episode of the year. But on the other hand, I, I know a guy who's home with COVID and has some free time. So as long as your voice is good, maybe we'll knock out a bonus episode or something. No promises. We'll see what happens. That's right. Hey, you, you, can, you never know with this, this outfit. Anything can happen at any time. Totally. Well, dude, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks again to uh, VJ Geronimo of Oris. And with that, I think maybe we have that be the last sip. What do you think, bud? Sounds good. Happy holidays and cheers. Cheers and salute. See you. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at Spirit of Time Podcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.